we're into hour two. Fortunate today, we're rolling on. Wrapping up hour one, getting you set for a Flames game day. Flames and Jets, a little preseason action from the Scotiabank Saddledome. We'll head back there a little bit later on this hour as well. Here from a couple more members of the Calgary Flames, including Dryden Hunt and Noah Hannafin on a game day. But if you missed the head coach or Mackenzie Weger, that's available to you in the hour one edition of the podcast. Plus, our Monday regular Emily Sadler joined us to talk things, all things NFL. Week four edition closing out the week with Monday Night Football between the Giants and the Seahawks podcast can be found. Google, Amazon, Spotify, your favorite podcatcher. Pods go up moments after every hour finishes here on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. I'm Logan Gordon. We're here in the Doug Lacey Basement Systems downtown studios alongside Cam and Taylor, my wonderful producers here on Sportsnet today. And we're kicking off hour two with some more football talk. We're heading down the Alice Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline to check in with our pal from Russick and Rose and the big show every Monday to Friday here on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Uh, chatting all things Stan Peters with our pal Matty Rose. Matty, what's up, pal? How was the weekend? That was pretty good. I watched a bunch of sports and, uh, yeah, mostly sported it up. Went on Creator. Pretty good flick. Nice. Oh, it was. Oh, yeah. You went and saw that one? I did, yeah. It was uh, it was really good. I don't nice. know about these Americans in the future, man. I'm just mm. going to say it. It's kind of sketchy. It's fair. It's a fair thing to think. It's a uh, good film. Yeah, good to know. Uh, I'm going to join you in Verk. I'm going to get you on Thursday to get a little movie review then. Yeah, I'm right up there with them. I watch the same amount of movies. <laughs> You're both cinephiles, hey. Yeah, yeah, that's me. That's 100% me. Uh, it's got aliens in space. Sign me up. There we go. Uh, Maddie, uh, of course, one of the things you would have watched this weekend, Stamps and Tie Cats. We talked about it last week. Big opportunity for the Calgary Stampeders and uh, fell through their hands on Saturday, 22-15 the final. Just uh, tell us what you saw on Saturday as the Stamps closed out week 17 with a loss to the Tie Cats. Yeah, just another tough one. Um, you lose Reggie Bagleton early for a couple of drives. After that, it felt like the offense was pretty smothered. The defense did as much as they could early, but then I felt like they almost got disengaged as the game went on and the Stampeders couldn't put any points on the board. Like I was thinking about it as I was reading through my game notes this morning or just before I came on with you here. And like, if this was a Stamps team from like three or four years ago, they would have taken that Hamilton team, rolled them up in a ball, put them in a plastic bag and thrown them in the dumpster by the end of the first quarter. They had gone through two quarterbacks. Their defense wasn't doing anything exceptional, but Stamps just couldn't do anything. They couldn't move the ball. They looked like the same team that we've seen all year long, having some problems on really both sides. And then just as the game goes on, it starts to get away from them. And, and there's never really an instance where you feel like, Oh, here comes the hero moment. So just another tough one going into the bye week for the Stampeders. And uh, now in order for them to get into the playoffs, they have to win out and the Riders have to lose out, which feels like a extremely tall task. One thing we've talked about and it continued again on Saturday, Maddie, this team's inability to, to finish off drives with a touchdown has just been a, uh, it's been a killer all season long. I mean, I don't know any other way to put it. Stamps fans have, have seen it from day one. And so have you, this team, can put together some really good drives, but far too often uh, they've had to rely on Renee Paradis to put any points up. Yeah, that's how it's been going for this team. And it feels like unless they're kind of getting a, a big play and, and running down the field, 
it's even tough for them to get into the red zone right now. But yeah, it's the same problem we've looked at all season long. They, they either turn to their run game, which has probably been their strongest part of their offense all season. But at that point, you can kind of stack up against it and prepare that way if you're an opposing defense. And, and the passing just hasn't been there. We've seen, you know, the interceptions in the end zone We've this season. We've seen receiver drops this season. We've seen receivers running wrong routes. That happened like three times in that game against Hamilton where – I don't know if Jake threw the wrong ball or the receiver ran the wrong route, but it was just not connected once again. And every time they get down there, settling for a field goal isn't going to do it in the CFL where every team gets so many possessions. You're going to have to be able to punch the ball in, and, and it's just starting to get frustrating for a lot of these guys. Yeah, because as you as you sort of alluded to there, I, I didn't think the tie cats were all that great at times. and They weren't. They were pretty bad. Yeah, oh, I didn't think that. They <laughs> quarterback at the half and they still won yeah I mean, Matthew Schultz was able to throw that long one to Tim White and they just got in the end zone a couple more if Calgary turns I don't know Matt one two of those drives into a touchdown I think we're pretty easily talking about a win here on Saturday yeah they lost by what seven points when it all came down to it 22-15 they wanted to like at the end there they kind of pushed but you know, it, to me, it's like it's like points in the game where Cam Judge goes and he makes that interception. He deflects the ball to himself. He knocks it down. He gets a turnover. And what did the Stamps do with it? Like, they couldn't get anything out of it. They had the blocked punt down to the 50-yard line. Yeah. End up settling for basically nothing. So, it's 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 been going on all season long. Just, um, you know, you don't want to say like, oh, this hasn't been a game where like all three phases have been going because I really don't think that's been the case. But more often than not, you kind of look at the offense and just say, where was your kind of half of this here? Uh, a couple of performances I did want to highlight and get your thoughts on. Dedrick Mills continues to be a, a really interesting piece for the Stamps team. He only gets six carries, Matt, but 47 yards. He rips off that long 28-yarder. Him and Kadeem Carey. Sure seem to form a, a pretty dynamic duo when the two of them are in. It's just when you get down in games, as usual, it's hard to, to rely on your run game to get you back into it, especially in three-down football. Honestly, I thought this was kind of a textbook kind of run game when you look at the box score at the end of the day. Between the two running backs, Kadeem Carey and uh, Diedrich Mills, they have 20 touches between catches and carries. They amass you know, just over 100 yards there, all-purpose yards exactly what you want out of your run game it, and Diedrich Mills has been a really solid part of that you know I, I it would have been really interesting to see this team all year if Kadeem Carey had been healthy and then been able to support Jake Mayer with like an outstanding top of the CFL run game all year but that hasn't been the case you do wonder about next year but then again you also have to wonder about Kadeem Carey who's dealt with injuries for essentially the entire season now that being said in stamps you're looking at this and Dedrick Mills you're saying we got a guy here that we can trust to be a number one depending on what decision we want to make in the offseason with our running back position and what happens with Peyton Logan who's looked good as a running back too and excellent as a return man for them but it's also been hurt for the entire year like that is another side story here this is a ridiculously banged up team and yeah I guess you should mention at any time that there is a loss or something like that but at the same time this isn't a team that's into moral victories, and it kind of feels like that's one of the big things they've been dealing with lately. Uh, Trey Holmes Dukes has a, a nice game for the Stampeders. Uh, targeted eight times, catches seven of those for 83 yards. Now, 
Uh, I'm sure a lot of that changes when Reggie Bagleton went down, but it's been an up and down year for, for Trey Odom's Dukes at time, finding himself not even on the, the game day roster, Matt, good to see him bounce back with a strong one in Hamilton. Yeah, especially as a, a guy that you hope can, you know, take another step in the offseason, come back for you next year. Now, like you mentioned, due to injuries, this is a team that had to bring in other receivers. And then when people started getting healthy, Trey Odom's Dukes ended up on the practice roster. And it took him a little while to get back into games. And he's kind of done stuff like this when he's been active. Like, I don't know if you can look at many games and say, oh, man, they totally lost this one because Trey Odom's Dukes did this, this, and this been a pretty solid you know second third year player but once again getting back to you got to be more consistent that type of thing he's a strong blocker he's a big body I think that there's a lot of kind of tools there that he can utilize but it's about getting consistent and they hope that if he's going to find that consistency that's going to be with Stampeders uniform on yeah for sure that's that's going to be one to to watch for you mentioned earlier too Manny cam judge you know four tackles had the interception uh i thought the defense for the most part you had brought this up earlier too played pretty well they got some good stops uh, a couple of errors here and there obviously the tim white one you'd like back but for the most part i, I thought it was a pretty mike rose had two sacks they brought some pressure uh just not enough support on one of those nights where the offense couldn't get much going either yeah, and, and like you mentioned, like there was three or four big plays that Hamilton was able to make that essentially were the difference in this game. Stampeders unable to get any of them, and the Ticats able to not only get them, they either ended in points or they got them in the red zone, and then they turned that into a field goal or a touchdown. So that was something that was working for Hamilton, but it was just a few big plays here and there. A couple guys getting beat in the secondary, and listen, we talked about it going into the game. You can make a pretty good secondary with the guys that the Stampeders have on their six-game injured list. Once again, not trying to make excuses for this group, but when that's the case, you run into problems, right? And this is a group that, with this secondary at times, has been hit with some really large plays, and as a result, the games don't end up going in their favor. But you look at that front, which... If they had had James Waters, I wonder how different this season would have been right as he was starting to get rolling. Uh, he gets hurt with the bicep that ended his season, essentially. Mike Rose has been dynamite all year long, but at the same time, this is a guy who's been battling in the middle of that defensive line for a long time now. I still think he's got good years in him, but you just hope that they're here with the Stampeders and he can kind of sustain past this season, him and Derek Wigan, really. And Julian Hauser has been good all season. Mike always been solid. Cam Judge has been one of the best of his position. Like, you look at that front six, front seven for the Stampeders, they've been outstanding all season long. It's just injuries and the occasional poor play from some of the veterans has really sewered them in the secondary. It kind of feels like a, a tough time to have a bye. I mean, if you're a contending team at this point in the year, you'd probably be very happy with a week 18 bye heading into the last couple of weeks of the season. But for a Calgary Stampeders team, Maddie, that's you know at the bottom of the league standings right now, I I wonder if it isn't more of a, a slog to a continuing you know long season to have a break in the middle of it like this. I think it's exactly like that, Logan. Like you got to imagine this is the team that you know prior they would have loved to be in this buy. Like if we're talking about the the Stampeders teams of old, they would have loved to be in this situation, get a little bit healthy, but also have a little bit of time before the end of the season to start feeling good about your game. But instead, the club has lost back-to-back games, also coming out of a bye, I should mention. So they lost coming out of the bye. 
and now they're losing going into the bye, and now they're out of bye weeks, and now they need to win out with the riders losing out in order to get into the postseason. So it's been tough, it's been hard, and now you go into the bye like this, I just I don't know what that mentally is like. If you win, you're feeling good, especially if you win these last two games, then you're feeling good, you feel like you have a chance, you're going up against the riders coming back. But now, you know, I'll just say if I was them, I would be thinking about the end of the season, personally. Yeah, it'd be hard not to, right? I mean, especially going into the bye week, I think, you know, come Saturday, if if Sask isn't able to, or excuse me, if, if Hamilton isn't able to beat Saskatchewan, you know, you're talking about two weeks left to, to kind of finish out your season and make some last sort of impressions if you're the Stampeders, but you're really holding out hope on another team, and that's never where you want to be as a, as a pro franchise. And one, let's be honest, man, it's been the first time in a very long time that, that Stampeders fans have, have had to deal with a season like this. Oh, it's been forever. And if you're Dave Dickinson, he's never done this, essentially. He's missed the playoffs, what, one time as a player or a coach? Is it going to be the first time that he's below uh, 500? Like, the one time he missed, his team was above 500, and they finished fourth in the West, and yeah. they didn't get in the playoffs. So what are you going to do about it? So... I don't know. It's so strange. Like for me, I've been covering the team for, you know, six, seven years now. Went to three great cups, won one of them. Stayed relevant for a couple of years, but then this obviously is, is something that's a, a little bit new to fans, media, the team. Um, Dave Dickinson hasn't really been much to kind of look towards the off season yet in our chats with him, either on the morning show or whether it's myself or Dumont practice. Um, but you got to wonder how much they're kind of starting to think about that and, and what needs to be done to get this team back to where they typically are at this time of year. Well, and that's, uh, I think that's going to be a question on a lot of people's mind. And, and again, not to write them off too early. The odds are what they are. But if the Stamps walk into a Week 19 matchup, many against the Rough Riders and find themselves outside of the playoffs and officially eliminated, do you think that Dave Dickinson is going to go down the road of, of giving some guys maybe opportunity that wouldn't have if they were in a, a playoff spot at this point in the year? I think that you kind of have to. Like, I don't know if necessarily that means Jake doesn't play for the rest of the season if the Riders win this week and your season's over going back in the final three of the season. But that being said, like, the quarterbacks that the Peters have, they got four in their room. They obviously have Jake Mayer, Tommy Stevens, who's their short yardage guy an excellent player and they like him a lot and he's got a great personality too. But the problem with Tommy is that he's not the best when it comes to throwing the ball downfield and he hasn't necessarily shown it in action or really necessarily in practice either. Now you've got two other guys, Chris Reynolds and Logan Bonner, both here in believe first season for Reynolds and second for Bonner practice squad guys been third string quarterback all season long. I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility to say they get a look, get a few snaps, get a quarter or two, get a half. But, you know, at this point, you have to see what you got, right? Yeah. Like, as much as I'm a huge fan of Jake Mayer, there just hasn't been enough there this year. Like, that pass to Reggie Bagleton that he makes, that's one that if you drop that, you know, a foot lower right on the money – Reggie probably doesn't get smoked. And that was a play that he had time and 
that ball is high, so Reggie had to go up and get it, and he gets absolutely clobbered because that's what Reggie does. But mm. you can't be putting your guys in situations like that. And I know it's just one play and it's one miss, but it's just one that I was sitting there and I watched that play a few times. I just said, Kim, come on. Like, what do you, what do, you do now? Yeah. You have to give a chance to Bonner or Reynolds, I think, in the final three weeks just to see what they got and to, I don't know, make things interesting for the off season. I have no idea what they're going to do. I feel like we're probably going to stick with mayor and give them another shot and just hope that they can fix the line a little bit, but really hard to say at this point, especially with Dave Dickinson, just in the second year as GM or all these second off season as GM. Yeah. Hard to say what they're going to do at quarterback, but it's the biggest question. Yeah. It's going to be an interesting one and uh, we'll save, you know, the, the final, you know, push towards whatever the off season looks like till we, we know for sure what happens between Hamilton and Saskatchewan, but uh, we'll get ready for it. It's another buy in the books. Before I let you go, Maddie, uh, Green Day going to Hamilton. That was the big announcement at halftime. How do we feel about Green Day headlining uh, the Grey Cup halftime show? Yeah, I am absolutely fired up. I was thinking about me and my buddies, probably like in our mid-teens, <laughs> taking our skateboards and listening to American <laughs> Idiot as we got a ride to Millennium Park. That's exactly what I was thinking about. And then, of course, you get older and you're like, oh, Green Day's been around for a little while. Yeah. You start listening to their older stuff. And you're like, oh, my goodness, this is just as good. So, yeah, I'm really excited. I think it's going to be a good show. A little holiday here and there. Get yeah. you all fired up. Yes, sir. I'm a big fan. So, yeah, we'll be good. I'm looking forward to it. Even if the stamps aren't there, I think I've got something to look forward to it uh, on Great Cup Weekend. Maddie, yeah. you're the best, pal. Thanks for uh, for hopping on with us today. Uh, enjoy the bye week for the Stampeders. We'll check in with you next week, pal. Yeah, see you at the Dome tonight. Bye-bye. Take bye. care, pal. Maddie Rose joining us on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. You know him, you love him. Stampeders, regular. Rustic and Rose, the big show, Monday to Friday, 6 to 9. You're on Sportsnet 960. Just an overall good dude. As Peter Labardius would say, that's good people. That's a good person right that's there. That's good people. Good people. He's okay, people. He's a decent person. He's all right. He's all right. He has his moments. Sometimes good person. Uh, but yeah, another Stampeders loss. 22 to 15. Throws their record to 4 and 11. That is equal to the Elks and the Red Blacks, which is not something I'm used to saying as an observer of the Calgary Stampeders. Uh, yes, their only option into the playoffs now is a Saskatchewan Rough Riders losing streak and a Stampeders winning streak. So what would have to happen, speaking of Hamilton, uh, they're Saskatchewan's next opponent on Saturday in Sask. Need a Ticats win there. Stamps are back off of their bye and face the Riders Friday, October 13th. Need a Stamps win there. And then the final week of the season, Calgary travels to B.C., and Saskatchewan welcomes in Toronto. That last week might not mean anything for BC or for Toronto, so it's very possible that the Stamps and Riders are facing backup quarterbacks or maybe not a full lineup of starters for both of those games. So, look, I I mean, there's a chance. I'm not going to totally discount it, but if it's going to, let's be honest, if it's going to be more performances like we've seen against Montreal and against Hamilton, then it is over. This team has to find a way to get the ball in the end zone, to create some offense, to show some sort of spark that just hasn't been there. Too many drives ending with Rene Paredes' field goals, and it's great that you've got a kicker you can rely on. 
Rene Paradis is one of the best in the game. Never going to discount any of that. But if you're not going to score touchdowns, you're not going to win. And I said it with Maddie, and I'll say it again. I didn't think Hamilton was all that good. They had a couple of big plays that turned into touchdowns, but past that, Stamps finished a drive or two, you know, with a touchdown. And even as Maddie said, the best part about what I thought there's, you know, this Stampeders team of two or three years ago, just this is a game they dominate. And it just hasn't been there this year. So is there a possibility? Yes, they'll have to watch what the Riders do starting on Saturday against Hamilton. And that's the first key to this puzzle of going to the postseason. But unless they look a lot different in how they get to the postseason, then even if they do make it, I don't know that I'm sitting here with a lot of faith. It's just been that kind of year for the Stampeders. And we're not used to them here in Calgary. They've been very few and far between in the John Huffnagel, Dave Dickinson era. So almost equally as intriguing as these last few weeks will be for the Stampeders if they're in a playoff race. If they're not in a playoff race, I'm also incredibly intrigued as to what's going to happen. Is Jake Mayer given the opportunity to finish the season out strong? Or do you turn to one of your young quarterbacks to get them some game experience down the stretch? I don't even know really how many quote-unquote young guys this Stampeders team has the opportunity to get in because they're so banged up. They're so far down the depth chart at so many positions right now. I don't, even if the Stampeders aren't in in the final two weeks of the season in those games against Sask and BC, I don't expect to see a giant influx of changes on the depth chart simply because I don't think they have the bodies. That's the craziest part about that. And as again, We've talked about this, and Matt said this a bunch of times. It's not making an excuse. Every team deals with injuries, but it's a reality of what the Stampeders have gone through. They've lost key players. They're without some of their best at at some positions, and that happens. So I don't even know if if it's realistic to think that this team can pump out a bunch of, of young, inexperienced, or newer CFL, newer to the CFL players for the last couple of weeks just based on where they're at. So... We'll see. It's it's not where you want to be for the Calgary Stampeders. I know a lot of Stamps fans aren't happy on this Monday dealing with a, a 4-11 season. We're not even used to this team being below 500, let alone on the outside looking into a playoff spot. So I, I get the frustration. I get the... Um, I, I just understand that it's not a fun time to be a Stampeders fan right now, and that's not where it's been when they've been winning great cups and uh, perennial threat in the West. This is something very new for a lot of people uh, here in Calgary who watch the Stampeders on a regular basis. Other CFL action from the weekend. Bombers down the Argos, 31-21 on Friday. BC beats Saskatchewan, 33-26. And earlier on Saturday, ahead of the Stamps and the Ticats, Montreal went to 8-7 and with a 32-15 win over the Red Blacks. Again, this week of action. Bye week for the Stamps. Starts off with Edmonton-Toronto on Friday. Winnipeg at BC Friday night at 8 p.m. And then the game that the Stamps will be watching closely, Hamilton, Saskatchewan on Saturday from Mosaic at 5 o'clock. Ottawa, Montreal once again goes on Monday, October 9th. A little Thanksgiving action, uh, 11 a.m. kickoff for the Red Blacks and the Alouettes. We'll take a break. We'll come back on the other side. Keeping up on hour two, we'll check back in at the Scotiabank Saddledome on a Flames game day. We'll hear from Dryden Hunt and Noah Hannafin on a Flames game day. Also, 
Jays and Twins to kick off the wild card series tomorrow. Before we uh, take a preview of that, we have to get uh, the last of Taylor's Kevin Biggio predictions from the regular season. We'll get to that and more. Sportsnet Today rolls on here on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. All right, we're live in the Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studios. Flying by on a Monday. Monday game day, Flames and Jets from the Dome. Your last chance to see the Flames at home in the preseason. Next time they're back at the Dome will be for a home opener against the Winnipeg Jets. How convenient. Winnipeg should just stay in Calgary for the week. Get ready. Save some travel. But no, we've got two more road games for the Flames to finish out the preseason. Tonight, game six of eight. We'll hear from Dryden Hunt and Noah Hannafin coming up in just moments. They spoke to the media following morning skate on Monday. Quick reminder, very NHL-heavy lineup for the Flames tonight. From our friend Pat Steinberg, your lines and pairings look like this for Monday. Hubert Lindholm, Manjapani. Ruzichka with Kadri and Dubé. Sharon Govich on the left side of Backlund and Coronado. Uyghur with Anderson. Hannafin with Tanev. Zadorov with Osterley. Jacob Markstrom, your starting goaltender for the Calgary Flames. Flames also placed four players on waivers this Monday. Oscar Dansk, Colton Pullman, Ben Jones, and Clark Bishop. All four will be assigned to the American Hockey League's Calgary Wranglers if they clear. We'll get more from the Flames coming up in just a few moments, but did want to mention today, of course, the Toronto Blue Jays. They punched their ticket to the playoffs over the weekend. They lost more than they won, but still, it was enough to get them in. They're heading to Minnesota to take on the Twins, which you will hear live here on Sportsnet 960. We're going to move. All of our scheduling around, we're going to get crazy around here just so we can fit in some 2.30 Mountain games here on Sportsnet 960. So starting on Tuesday, Jays, who have announced they will start with Kevin Gosman on the mound for game one, 2.30 Mountain. We're going to bring you all the action here live on Sportsnet 960. So on Tuesday... Get to hop on the airwaves with Steinberg. We'll give you a little Flames Talk early edition going from noon to 2 p.m. on Tuesday. We'll then jump into Jays pregame at 2 o'clock and have the call of the Jays and Twins game one on Tuesday. We'll have a little early edition of Sportsnet today slash Flames Talk on Wednesday as well and then head to uh, Minnesota for game two of this series. See what happens there and then of course, five-game series, so got to wait and see what happens in these games before anything gets decided for games three. Or sorry, three. Three game, best of three. Am I going crazy, Taylor? It's best of three, right? I believe, I believe it is. Hold up. Let me make sure. Taylor's here. checking, but it's I believe it three. is. best of three. It is a best of three. I'm That's, just... yeah. Oh, I got best of five in my head. Best of three. All good. So two games could be a sweep. So Tuesday, Wednesday, we'll see what happens. Potential game on Thursday. Depending on, again, if this series is tied, 
Then we'll head to a Thursday game. We'll figure out what happens Thursday. Thursday. But no, all the Jays games are going to be live here on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. That's all you need to know. Gosman game one. Boom. Jays could... We'll, we'll talk more Jays tomorrow. We'll preview the series with Minnesota on an early edition tomorrow. But we'll line it up for it. Just know you can. You want to listen to the games? They're here. Right, Taylor? 100%. <laughs> uh, let's do this before we head back to... Oh, I forgot a line. Wow. I forgot about the fourth line. Come on. Coleman Schwint Hunt. Ooh. Coleman fourth line. I don't know. Thank you, 3680. I don't know how I feel about I that. I only did three lines. <laughs> Went straight to the deep end. I was just too excited. It's a Monday. Coleman Schwint Hunt is your fourth line. Sharon Govich, Backlund, Cornell. I'm going to go in reverse order now. Rosichka, Kadri, Dube, Huberto, Lindholm, Manjapani. De Simone Solovyov did skate as an extra pair, but they were out doing work after practice, which is usually a sign that they won't play. So we're expecting the top six that could be on opening night of Uyghur, Anderson, Hannafin, Tanev, Zadorov, Osterley. Okay, Jays. Should have done this earlier, but we're doing it now. Taylor has been the Kevin Biggio whisperer. She is the president, and I believe maybe the only member, of the Kevin so. Biggio fan club. I've been converted sure, over like, to the Alejandro Kirk fan club. I'm pretty sure his mom is there, too. Maybe. Maybe Craig's Maybe in there. Uh, but we've been doing this for the last week or so of the Jays season, as Kevin Biggio has played a pretty par- a prominent role in these Jays games. Uh, with the weekend series sort of being up in the air and who was going to play. We just did Friday's Kevin Biggio predictions from Taylor. So let's check in. Swing it back to the Jays and the Rays on Friday. And let's see what Taylor had uh, up her sleeve to see what Kevin was going to do in that game against Tampa Bay. We know Biggio's in the lineup tonight. He's batting fifth, playing second base. Taylor, you're on a roll. Give us your Friday predictions for Kevin Biggio versus the Tampa Bay Rays. Going solely off of vibes. Uh, this time around, I'm going to go with a walk and a hit and two mm. great defensive plays. Okay, I like it. I feel good about this. So Taylor goes for uh, a walk, a hit, two great defensive plays for Kevin Biggio. And just outside. Boy, if that isn't your prototypical Biggio walk, that's going to load the bases. Base hit into right for Biggio. Guerrero in to score. Bichette behind him. 10-4 Blue Jays. Beautiful month here. And now the batter, Curtis Meade. Back to the mound for one. Biggio to first for two. Hits the ball extremely hard. Here he hits a ground ball to short. Bichette underhand toss to Biggio. On to first. Dugout by Guerrero is on. The second double play turned by the Blue Jays Buck in as many innings. Is that a perfect score for Taylor Dingman? That's back-to-back days. To close out the regular season. Well done, Taylor. What can I say? I'm always right. We'll ignore the whole Guerrero dug it out of the ground thing. But... Good you know enough. What? He still made the double play. Uh, it's, it's hap- it you're right, it happened. It's listed I'm not arguing. on our archives as credited to Biggio. So we give it to him. Taylor, well done. 
thank you. Thank you. I would like to thank Kevin Biggio uh, for his part mm-hmm. in this whole shenanigans. <laughs> Is he sending you a jersey yet? He should, honestly. Um, I will be expecting one on this desk yeah. on Friday. Okay. Or Friday. by Friday. Wow. You know? On my desk by Friday. How do we feel with the Jays and the Twins, Tay? I like it better than... Than the Rays? Rays? Yeah. Uh, especially so does everyone. <laughs> the curse of the trough. I am not too mad about it. Yeah, it's it's an interesting matchup. The Twins are sort of an underrated quiet team out there. I think their uh their bullpen's incredibly strong. They've got some really good pitching. It, it's still going to be a challenge for the Jays, but uh staying out of the AL East, getting away from Tampa Bay to start things off and then having to go to Baltimore after that if they can pull out a win in this series, I think probably bodes better for them than it does in a series against Tampa, but we'll have to see. The Jays still need to create some offense. It'll be interesting to see what the roster looks like for the wild card series. We do know that uh, Kevin Gosman will get to start in game one. And a quick reminder, uh, if you missed it a little earlier, we will have all the Jays playoff baseball right here on Sportsnet 960. The fans starting with game two tomorrow. We'll be live here on your home of the Jays, Sportsnet 960. The fan. Let's see you back to hockey. Get ready for a game day tonight. Uh, another Flames player trying to make an impression on the coaching staff. Did a good training camp so far. Finds himself in the lineup once again tonight on that fourth line that I forgot to mention about. Uh, Blake Coleman and Cole Swint playing with Dryden Hunt. He's hoping to stick around with the Flames this year and not have to go back to the Wranglers. But uh, right now, just focusing on tonight's game against the Winnipeg Jets. Here's Dryden Hunt speaking to the media on Monday. Flames game day against the Jets. Just um, as we kind of enter this final week of the preseason, what uh, what's the level of excitement and maybe just sort of your mindset as you uh, as you look at it, starting with tonight? Yeah, I don't I don't think I look too far ahead. Uh, just the position I'm in. Um, I think I said it before, but I just come to the rink every day and put my best foot forward and make the most of my opportunities. So uh, another opportunity to play tonight and uh, show what I got. So. Uh, don't look too far ahead, but yeah, it's coming to an end. That's it. Do you feel you know pleased with what you've been able to do, or at least show of your game to this point, and maybe just to put yourself in this position here tonight? Yeah, it, definitely satisfied with uh, the work so far. Um, there's a lot of exhibition games, so um, you kind of just kind of have to ride that high a little bit. Um, so you know, satisfied and happy with what's what's going on so far, but uh, lots of work to do. You've been here before, but where does the separation have to occur for you in your game now? Like as you kind of get down to where we are in the calendar, where does that separation come from for you? Probably, you know, tonight I think it's easy. You know, you get the adrenaline of, you know, opening camp and playing those exhibition games. Everybody's excited, um, you know, four, five, six. You know, um, it's a bit more of a grind, and uh, you kind of have to show that consistency. So, you know, tonight's another opportunity to kind of separate yourself. Um We'll see what happens. Consistency is one thing, but like if you are going to make uh, that separation or get that notice or maybe play the game that you know you're capable of, what will it look like? Yeah, everybody talks about young guys bringing energy, and that's one thing that I'm trying to bring every night. Um, simple player, straight line, someone that can be reliable. Uh, I've gotten a good opportunity on the PK, so whenever I get out there, try and make the most of that. Um, just want to be a guy that they can put on the ice and... There's just no real worries, so um, try to do that tonight. When you talk about that approach of not looking too far ahead, is that is that something that you've always been able to have, or is that developed over time? I think it's something that's kind of been developed over time. Um, you know, last couple of years, up and down, different teams, that kind of thing. 
um, you just come to camp and nothing's really you know given so you kind of have to earn that every every day so uh, for me whether it's a practice morning skate game you kind of have to bring it so uh, that's kind of where it comes from I guess You've been encouraged by the message from day one which is maybe, you know, some youngsters are going to make make this lineup is that that's something that was communicated to you I'm sure during the summer yeah that's something you know I talked to Haskell before camp uh, he had a meeting with some of us and um, you know, it's definitely good to hear that. The communication's been there from day one. Um, you know, I'm no dummy. Like, I see it, and, you know, it's uh, a good opportunity. Some, you know, unfortunately for Pellets, like, you know, that's just an, another guy to step up. So, um, you know, but it goes back to not looking too far ahead and just kind of coming to the rink every day and doing what you can. Can you use it as a positive? Like you said, you're no dummy. You know what it means that you're skating with the regular group and playing all these exhibition games. Can that become a positive push when a guy starts to feel like he's close to seizing the opportunity? Yeah, I think talking about the separation part, that's one of the things you look to do. Obviously, at some point during camp, they separate the groups and they go with more of you know an NHL group. So um, to be in that group is is great. Um, it's something you know it was a goal of mine to kind of get into that group and and kind of go from there. So. You look into little things like that throughout throughout camp. You don't want to look into too much. You know, like tonight we're playing a pretty NHL heavy lineup, and to be in that is good. So you just kind of take it as a, a, you know one step at a time and go from there. Dryden Hunt, Flames forward will be on a line with Blake Coleman and Cole Schwint tonight. I don't agree with a lot of the things that he said. They're really open and honest conversation with Dryden Hunt. He knows where he's at. He knows it's a good thing to be in the lineup this late in the preseason. And to be part of the NHL group sure seems like a guy that's made a really nice impression on the Flames and has earned his spot so far. He'll have to continue to do that tonight. There's feels like a couple of names in that mix for that fourth line kind of spot for this team. And Dryden Hunt's certainly been one of them. But another good showing tonight perhaps puts him in a better spot when it comes to the opening night lineup against Winnipeg as well. Noah Hannafin also spoke to the media today. Lots of talk on this Monday about uh, the new D-zone coverage for the Calgary Flames, their use of the the puck, getting it up the ice to Ford's joining the rush, all of that. We heard from Mackenzie Wieger a little bit earlier today. Now Noah Hannafin, who finds himself back on a pairing with Chris Tanev for tonight's game against Winnipeg. Maybe, Noah, just uh, as we kind of reach this point of preseason, what's uh, important for your group as you kind of get a little bit closer here, final week of the preseason? Yeah, it's, uh, yeah, it's kind of time now. You know, obviously... Uh, you know, we got a. Uh, most of our guys will, I think, will be going tonight, and and uh, yeah, we only got a couple more games, a week left of practice, and then then it's go time. So, you know, just want to start playing to our identity, start playing, you know, faster hockey, you know, more discipline, and kind of get into those habits of, you know, that you're going to need to to be successful in the regular season. So it's uh, it's exciting. Can you describe the the new defensive system and, and what it is, and just how you all have adjusted to it early on here? Um, yeah, I mean, it's it's uh, it's a little bit different. It's uh, I would just say. Um, it's less man-on-man, more of a zone, and you have a little bit more layers. So if one guy gets beat, there's always support behind you. Um, and it's uh, it's definitely a lot of work for the centermen. They kind of have to be all over all over the ice. But we have really good centermen in here and, and really good two-way players. So it's uh, I think it fits our team well. And, and you've got a division with some superstars. How would, how would this system 
affect the way you defend a McDavid or Drysdale or some of those other stars? Um, yeah, I think, uh, like I said, I mean, I think it's just more layers. So if one guy gets beat, there's still support there. So it's it, it's uh, it's more of a wall to get through, which I think helps. And um, but you know, we're still working on it. There's still areas of it we can get better at. But I think uh, we've made good progress so far in the camp with it. No, you mentioned a moment ago, maybe answered that the identity that you're working towards is the identity that fast and discipline, or is there something more to it? How would you describe the identity you're trying to get to? Yeah, I would say right now it's just about speed. You know, we want to be a fast team, and we want to catch teams sleeping, and and do we want to outlast teams? You know, we want to be a team that can play three periods, and you know, when teams come in here, have a really good first period, and kind of wear teams down a bit, and, and that's just the way our team's structured, I think, and and we definitely have the ability to do that if. Uh, you know, we have the players and we have a lot of good players, and I think when we all come together and we play that style that you know we need to play. We'll, we'll have success. That's interesting you say the speed because I don't know as though the hallmark in the past has been speed. Mm-hmm. Do you guys think is it system and players that combination that makes it so that you're that way or yeah. utilizing the players that you know can go because traditionally it's been like hard work, mm-hmm. floor checking, and discipline. Yeah, no, for sure. I think I mean I think that's just the way the game's going now. You got to play fast, and, and I think we got some guys in here that can really skate and move and. Some of these, you know, younger guys like Matty Coronado and, and those guys, they can really skate and, and get up in the play. So, um, I think it's just the way we want to we want to change our game a little bit. We want to be pushing the pace more and, and, and making it harder to defend. So, is part of that about um, about decisions too, and just you know, with the puck, obviously, you know, move it quick and then get up and, and follow it the way that you guys kind of on the back end seem to be kind of breaching a little bit. Yeah, I mean, for sure, that's this is the way we want to play, and, and you know, I think it's it's a good style to have, and it's, it's good to be aggressive and try to create some offense and get up there and. And move and and uh, you know especially you know coming out of the D zone with the way we're playing now there's a lot of opportunity for guys to take off and get odd man rushes and stuff like that so um, it's definitely a work in progress but uh, it's uh, it's a it's a good way to play and, and I think uh, you know, everybody's gonna buy into it. Yeah, I was gonna say you're gonna enjoy that though as a, as a, a D man to be able to you know to when it when it fits to have that green light and to make sure that you know you're getting up there and providing some support that way. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think uh, you know it's something we touched on. I think you know we, we got a good back end here. We got a lot of guys that can skate and get up in the play, and we got to take advantage of that. You know, we got to utilize that to to be a dangerous team. And if you look around the league, that's that's kind of the way it's going. A lot of defensemen are getting up in the play, getting more active and helping out offensively, and that's something you know we uh, we're definitely capable of doing here. Is that because of the zone it allows you to explore? Like other sports you play, as long as you see everybody can go once you you know attain the puck or the ball, whatever it is, you guys can go a little bit more offensive because of that zone. It allows yeah. you to activate that offense. I think so. I think coming out of the D zone, you know, like I said earlier, you know, with those layers, you know, if somebody does get beat, if or if there's a shot from the point and you front and you block it. Um, instead of just being tied up with somebody, it kind of allows guys just to take off and get up there, and you can move it and, and create some more offense. So, um, like I said, I mean, it's something you know we're still we're still learning a little bit and adapting to it. But I think once once it settles in, it's going to be good for us. Mark Savard has said with his guys, he doesn't like it when they hold on to the puck too long. And in some of his older plays in junior, you see a lot of guys who are getting the pucks off their sticks after two seconds. What's it been like for you guys adjusting to that part of his offense? Yeah, it's great. I mean, I think uh, you know it's something he touches on a lot, just not dusting the puck you know you don't want to have it on your stick too long and holding it and slowing the game down that's part of playing fast is getting it off your stick quick and you, know, you want to have the confidence to make plays but you also want to use each other and move the puck quick especially in the power play and stuff like that you don't want to be kind of holding on to it too long you want to snap it around a little bit quicker no Hannah, flames defenseman last member to speak ahead of tonight's matchup against the winnipeg jets we've been asking you all day long in the program with our social media feeds facebook instagram twitter which Flames player has impressed you the most this preseason? Read just some of our responses uh, on Twitter. Dan B said, Solovioff, I expected good camps from Zarian Coronado. Between Osterley and Solovioff, it makes me comfortable 
with the Flames depth on defense. Uh, a couple votes for Matt Coronado, one for Jonathan Huberto on Facebook, a wide variety of ones, but some for Connor Zary mixed in there, a couple for Walker Dewar. So a bit of wide range. We'll see coming down to the final stretch here who uh, can make an impression on the Flames brass. There's a couple of games left and it sure seems like a couple of spots left for the Calgary Flames to determine as we get closer to the end of preseason. Once again, Flames coverage today. The Flames talk coming up next with Pat Steinberg. They'll take you right up into Calgary Flames pregame at 6 o'clock. Derek Wills and Megan Mickelson have the Flames and the Jets. Last home preseason game for the Flames before they're back on the 11th against the Winnipeg Jets. So you don't want to miss it. 7 o'clock puck drop right here on Sportsnet 960. The fan just starting to wrap things up on the program today. Quick thank you to our guests, Emily Sadler and Matt Rose for joining us. Both of them talking some football. Emily's got her week four NFL takeaways up at sportsnet.ca. And Maddie joined us for some stamps talk. Uh, another tough loss for the Calgary Stampeders on Saturday as they head into another late season bye week now. Uh, so we'll hear from Maddie again next week as we get set for the stamps and the Rough Riders. Thank you to my outstanding producers, Cam and Taylor, for their great work. And, of course, thank you for listening, whether live or on the podcast. We appreciate it. Uh, Flames and Jets game day today. And then, of course, the rest of the week going to be a little bit uh, of juggling with the shows. We won't have Sportsnet today on Tuesday. We're going to turn it into an early edition of Flames Talk with myself and Pat Steinberg uh, because we've got the Jays and the Twins kicking off their wild card series Tuesday afternoon. It's a 2.30 First pitch, we're taking you to Jays pregame at 2 o'clock. We'll have all the Jays playoff games right here live on Sportsnet 960, the fans. So make sure if you're looking for the Jays and the Twins, we're going to have it for you uh, here on Sportsnet 960. We'll play it by ear for game three of the series. But for now, we know for sure both games on Tuesday and Wednesday can be heard uh, in their entirety here on Sportsnet 960. The fan will hopefully not run into any Jays long game on Wednesday because we have another uh, Flames preseason game to get to, but uh, everything should be wrapped up in time for that, but either way, we're going to have Jays coverage for you. Lots of it uh, Tuesday and Wednesday and then potential game three on Thursday. So that's all to come this week. Again, Steinberg's got you for Flames Talk next. We'll take you to the Scotiabank Sandal Dome for that. Um, We'll talk to you again at some point this week on some show. I don't know where and when exactly uh, as we mix around with the Blue Jays talk, but uh, appreciate you listening as always. We'll be back uh, with more Flames coverage around the corner. Flames talks next here on Sportsnet 960, The Fan.